0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't
1: believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off, does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve?
0: Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Girls on Film. I am Anna Smith. I'm film critic and broadcaster and the host of Girls on Film. I'm so pleased to have you all here today. This is gonna be our 21st episode, which is pretty exciting. We have been doing live episodes in Rotterdam. We've been to Cannes, Glasgow, Edinburgh, some private clubs in London, but this is our first public London show. So thank you all very much for being part of it. Thank you so much. I've got three amazing guests coming on today. I'm gonna bring them on one by one, have a little chat about their work. Halfway through, we're gonna have some up-to-date film reviews, talk about some current releases and then after my final guest that's when you get to ask questions and join in the fun. Our first guest is an actress, comedian and director. She's won half of the comic double act Watson and Oliver. She directed a short film, The Story of Ken. She's perhaps best known for playing Petronella Osgood in Doctor Who. She also stars alongside Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson in The Hustle. And she's part of the all-star ensemble in last christmas paul feig and emma thompson's rom-com which is coming up later this year please welcome ingrid oliver
2: <laughs> hi, hi ingrid.
0: To Thank you for joining Girls
2: on Film. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on Girls on Film. We met actually at an all-female members club at the Albright, didn't we? We did. Yes, it makes it sound like we only ever hang out with women. But I, I must say, welcome to our allies, the men here, because we do also <laughs> welcome men to the party. Only the nice ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the good ones, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, oh, by the way, actually, before I start, when I read, after I met you, when I read your summary on your agent's website, it said something I didn't know about you, and it said, tell me if this is true, that you drive a mini with disco lights
2: yes this is true I've actually told her to take that off I have and she said but you, you wrote because we have to, you I have to you have to write your own biography and I wrote that uh, and I read it recently I was like that's really annoying why she got that on there and she reminded me that I had in fact written that precisely because
0: the likes of me then pick up on it and go sorry yeah no amazing. no I know also because yes.
2: I'm trying to be a feminist man feminists don't drive minis with disco lights well I think they do they right? do this one it's does amazing so yeah, no, what I... colour is it?
0: I look out for it in the street. it's
2: disco lights it changes they change color as you drive on the
0: outside
2: Sadly, no. Oh. I think that would be, a, that would be dangerous. Yeah. But you no, know, inside, so when you play music, it, uh, the lights change colour.
0: This is incredible. You are extra welcome now. Thank you. We first met after you filmed The Hustle yes. with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Um, big Hollywood production. How would you describe your character?
2: It was a sort of reimagining of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which I'm sure people are familiar with, if you're yes, old enough. Getting some... If you're old yes. like me, then you know that film. I was basically playing uh, the equivalent of Anton Rogers
0: amazing. Good, that's
2: the reaction I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was playing Anne Hathaway's... It was basically a gender swap uh, of the original. So Anne Hathaway played the Michael Caine part and I played her sort of right-hand woman police chief uh, partner in crime.
0: And very good you were too, may Thank I you. say.
2: Thank
0: you. And um, you mentioned to me that something very interesting happened on set. The Weinstein scandal broke while you were filming. Mm. And you said to me it changed the atmosphere overnight.
2: Yeah, it did. Um it was quite a weird moment we because we flew out to Mallorca to film it. So we were all staying in the same hotel and the first night we got there we had everyone sort of went we all had dinner together and we were all sitting around this table there was quite a lot of crew and it was really interesting because everyone suddenly started sharing these stories, quite personal stories uh with essentially we were all strangers at that point of, you know, inappropriate conduct and sexual abuse and all it, it was quite extraordinary and it felt really powerful, actually, I have to say, and quite cleansing. And I, and I, and I think the, one of the things that the Me Too movement did or has done or is continues to do is allow women to talk in a... not to sort of have to assume this quite male way of being in a workplace. And actually, by us all confessing those things in front of men as well, everyone felt much better about themselves afterwards. And it was a much more... it was a, just a nicer environment.
0: And Doctor Who is pretty big, though. Sure. All's good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, do you get a lot of people coming up to you and asking if there's two of you?
2: Uh, yeah. 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 And what do you say? Actually, they always say, "Are you human or Zygon?" Which is what, because my character was ah, my yes. character became doubled. I died. Spoiler, a Spoiler, but it's I died old. a lot of times, and I came back. I came back a few times, and I was always there was two of me, and then I was an alien, and yeah, and I and it's lovely because people obviously Doctor Who is, as you can imagine, is, is quite a the fandom is is real, so. Um, I always say I'm Zygon because I think that gives the better... That's the, that's the answer they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. They yeah. love it, yeah. And Doctor Who, of course, you know, now we have a female Doctor Who. I do admire that show in many ways, but principally for how representative and how kind of forward-thinking it is, just in terms of gender, but in terms of sexuality and such. Yeah. I mean, were you a fan before you were in it, on the show? I level? was. I was yeah. a huge
2: fan, actually. Do you know what it is? It's that thing of... I, I always said that, for me, Doctor Who was like... If James Bond is Britain's alpha male character than Doctor Who is Britain's beta male. And I, like, I, prefer, be- I prefer beta males myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I always did. love the show. I love, I love it for that because it's not a macho character and there's always depth to it and the fact that, um, yeah, the last series I think really has made strides in terms of diversity and, and um, the storylines, yeah. It's exciting to see be in, yeah.
0: Yeah, Britain leading the way in that. Yeah. It's really exciting to see, yeah. as you say, not an alpha male. And with yourself turning to directing, mm-hmm. how did that feel going behind the camera? And did you feel at all that being raised as a woman, as it were, you know, the, the kind of pressures you have on yourself as a woman to please in a way, did you feel that that informed the way that you behave behind the camera?
2: It's really interesting because I, lo- I loved it. I found out that I'm quite bossy, naturally. And so when I did, a, I did a sketch on BBC Two uh, called Watson and Oliver, we, we wrote it, we did two series of it. We essentially were sort of involved in the production side of it, so we were quite across all of that anyway. So doing the directing things, like, it felt like a natural step. Yeah. And I've directed a few other things since then as well, and I, and I just yeah i like making decisions i'm quite controlling actually but what's funny is that i when i watch the rushes in the edit all i can hear is me after every take going guys that was amazing thank you thank you so much (laughs) um so in that sense i'm bringing probably that side the sort of maternal side of things to it as well it's quite annoying actually because every take you're going oh my god that was amazing guys it's like come on not after every take it can't that can't be true um because as, as an actor i know that a lot of directors and I've mainly, apart from... Actually, no, no, I've, I've worked with a couple of brilliant female directors, but I've worked with male directors who, they're quite visual, they don't really care about the acting as much. So they get, they sort of just stay behind their monitors. And as an actor, you get very like, oh my God, they hate me, why aren't they talking to me? So I try to do the opposite, sometimes too much.
0: But that's interesting, isn't it? The way, I mean, I also find myself thanking people too much. I've been oh. told off for saying thank you too much. From yeah. my, but it's just a natural, is it natural or is it the way we're brought up? It's interesting. I
2: have stopped saying, sorry in emails and I've tried I can't quite get rid of the exclamation marks I still do the exclamation marks a lot as in thank you exclamation mark it, it, yeah. which again is almost like a babyification or like a I'm just a woman I because <laughs> you know you'll say something quite not terse but you'll say something quite you know this is what I'd like thank you um <laughs> sorry and so I'm trying I'm really monitoring that kind of language because it's not helpful but it's hard because you don't want to I don't know, it's hard. You it is
0: really hard, because you get into a certain way and people have certain expectations of yeah. you. Because There was a Stephen Fry Radio 4 programme and they were talking about these women that decided at a publication to stop doing the exclamation marks. And then everyone was going, what's wrong? Are you upset with me? Are you pissed off with yeah. me? You know, because they get used to
2: it. Yeah. So I've been trying, to, t- but it's difficult. Well, this is the other thing, actually. Or maybe men should use more exclamation marks.
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not side. that
2: women need to go. Mm. Maybe men need to be a bit more. And then, sorry for the, sorry for the listeners. I forgot it's podcast. She's uh, hugging. I'm hugging myself. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And when you're looking um, for roles, what kind of thing are you looking for on the page? Uh, just a job, or are you kind of like, I want this to be a complex female character. Do
2: you know what's interesting? I, I've only just recently. I, so my first, my first ever television parts was um, a character in Peep Show called Natalie, who. There's no other way of saying it. She sort, of, well, she sort of raped David Mitchell's character. Oh God, I forgot that. Which at the time, now that I think about it, I go, is that, is that funny? Because just because it's a woman doing it to a man. I, I don't know if anyone remembers that episode. Um, it's all quite grey because he thinks she's a lesbian, and so he lets her sleep in his room. So since then, the m- majority of parts I'm offered are lesbian. Just like the part is a lesbian, um, with no more sort of nuance That's or depth. That right. lesbian and. What's been really weird this last couple of years, the last year I said I really want to play police detectives. That was my dream. And I've played three all lesbian (laughs) detectives in the last year. And I got sent another (laughs) script recently and it was a lesbian police woman. And so I was like, what is it about me that, but also why? Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Do you think there's something... Because that's, lesbian is not a character. Yes, exactly. But it's... Yes. that's what I, And so that annoys me anyway. But but I get... Like I say, I, I'm the go-to, i the go-to, go-to apparently for that. So I've asked my agent to maybe not... Just weed those out a little bit.
0: Could you get, just start with bisexual policewoman and then just kind of move on Bisexual like policewoman, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so ease
2: yourself out right, of it. it. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Not a clean break. Just, yeah. just yeah. gentle. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but, but, yeah, so I'm... There are parts that sort of excite you, and the one that I hopefully am doing that content about, it's really exciting.
0: I'm taking it's not yeah. a lesbian
2: police woman,
0: the, the one we're talking about. Or maybe it is. In, a, or, or in space. In
2: space. In space. In space.
0: Yeah. I, can't yeah. wait to, I can't wait to find out more about this. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Now, will you stay on and do some reviews with us? I'd love to, yes. That would be you. brilliant. Thank you very much, Ingrid. My pleasure. My next guest is the director of BFI Festivals, which includes the London Film Festival, which starts in a couple of weeks' time, 2nd to 13th of October, and she's also in charge of Flair, London's LGBTQ film festival in March. She's a very busy woman and we're delighted to have her here. Please welcome Tricia Tuttle. Hello, Trisha. I'm going to blow a kiss to you. Thank you so much for being part of Girls on Film. You're very
3: welcome. Thank so you. pleased to
0: have you here because I know it must be absolutely mental for you right but now. But this is really fun. This is great. Good. And I think LFF is going to be
3: fun. I think so too.
0: And so this is your first year properly, properly. I mean, you were in charge last
3: year. Yeah. But now official. Absolutely official now. I can do anything I want. I can move the furniture around finally. I can buy, buy a new car with that big salary the BFI me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us what's opening and closing the film in brief. So opening night, and I feel like we're going to have a bit of a Doctor Who theme here, I think. So oh. opening night, Armando Iannucci's The Personal History of David Copperfield with Peter. A very so David Copperfield, yeah, who brilliant. we saw you in a picture with, Peter Capaldi.
2: Written by Simon Blackwell, who wrote my episode Blackwell. of Peep Show, where I re- there we go, well, it's, all it's all coming it. all. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A We yeah. small, definitely plan small. Small. Yeah. So
3: it's fantastic, it's uh, just world premiere in Toronto to amazing reviews. Dev Patel plays David Copperfield. It's the most extraordinary period adaptation because it's not what you expect at all. I mean, from Armando anyway, we expect sharp political satire. And this is actually quite sweet and tender in lots of ways. And that's quite interesting casting, again, quite
0: progressive casting, isn't it? Yeah, So yeah, absolutely. the trailer looks
3: great. Absolutely. I think it's interesting because I heard Armando talking about it quite a lot and he has moved away from this sort of idea of colourblind casting and the way he talks about it is really interesting about making it feel contemporary because he sees it as a very contemporary story.
0: And what's your closing
3: film? We are closing with a film by a little filmmaker you might have heard of, Martin Scorsese, oh, yeah. The Irishman. Um, Martin Scorsese actually closed the festival in 1980. So he and um, Robert De Niro were at the festival in 1980 with Raging Bull and both are coming back to the festival. I think I might have just broken some news that isn't announced yet, but Robert De Niro is coming <laughs> yeah. to the festival. That's amazing. I know, it's exciting. It's um, a multi-decade spanning. It's a crime epic. Like I feel like there's a Martin Scorsese genre and this film is in that genre. Yeah. Um, it's great, great writing from Steve Zellian, um, Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, probably one of the best roles I've seen Al Pacino in in ages, but it's a real joy. Three hours and 15 minutes, so it better be, but it really works. It really so works. at what point do you get to see all these films? Well, that is one of the most amazing things about my job is quite often I'll see them well before anyone has ever seen them you know it's it's really wonderful I remember seeing La La Land I didn't know anything about it saw it in a screening room and it just I left singing afterwards I was so happy and I saw the favorite last year with no one but a security guard and the security guard laughed the entire way through (laughs) and I thought Fox is on to a winner here with this one so this with the Irishman in particular it was great because I got to see it in Martin Scorsese's editing suite which was incredible so it's one of the biggest gifts of my job actually so i
0: thought i had a good job but yours is pretty it amazing. Is a good job yeah. it's a good job now obviously these are quite male films yeah. so let's talk a little bit about the balance of male and female directors yeah. in particular at lff
3: this year So really important to us as a festival to be diverse. I mean, with opening, we can come back to why the opening closing is quite male, but we have 40% female filmmakers in the festival. Our competitive strands, which are best feature, best first feature, and best documentary are around 60% across those strands. So what we're seeing as a festival is that first and second time feature filmmakers, the gender balance is pretty evenly split. But as soon as you get to those sort of big budgeted films, top 100 grossing films, 4% of them last year were directed by women, female directors just aren't getting the kind of investment in marketing or those budgets that sort of lift those films into the mainstream.
0: Yeah, and this is exactly what we like to talk about in Girls and Film and Campaign for, because you're absolutely right. You get a lot more in documentary, for example, yeah, um, because it's cheaper and yeah. easier, and you can do it yourself rather yeah. than relying on the money men, which they
3: usually are. And 60% of the short films in the festival are directed by women as well, wow. too. Yeah,
0: um, And is it a strategic part to increase the numbers of women, or is it organic?
3: It's... Absolutely strategic. I mean, I really shy away from saying we have quotas because we don't. I personally feel like quotas are right when you're thinking about the makeup of the gatekeepers or the cultural decision makers like that's where I think about quotas and I think about representation and 50 percent of our I don't go we have to have 50 percent men and 50 percent women but we try to have a really balanced and diverse programming team because then when you get to the decision making process and you're going is it this film or this film everybody brings their personal bias everybody brings their own interests and passions and that sort of argument and and sort of discourse brings texture to the program and the balance that we want to see So we've asked you to make three recommendations specifically for the Girls on Film audience.
0: So we asked you to talk about female-led films. And the first one, we said one big
3: mainstream film, a woman that's actually got to direct a mainstream film. What did you pick? I picked Mariel Heller's A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, which is one of the very few films that I think, because of that budget and because of that investment in marketing, is going to be part of the awards season conversation this year. Tom Hanks will be a major talking point. He plays Fred Rogers, who's a an American children's television presenter who was a real hero of, uh, of American television. But the film isn't really a biopic. It's, a, it's about the impact that Fred had on American culture and all the people around him. It's about compassion and love. And I think you would literally have to have a heart of ice not to love this film. But people will be talking about Tom Hanks, but for me, the film is about Mariel Heller as well. Mm-hmm. She, this is her third film. She made Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was last year. Yeah. And she made Diary of a Teenage Girl before that it's that. So a really really interesting filmmaker and this is a big one from her so excited about so that so that's a beautiful day in the neighborhood when exactly. can people see that one that yeah. is going to be on the saturday the 12th okay great yeah. so. a second we asked you for one brilliant independent movie directed by a woman so i picked a film called judy and punch it's a little bit of a wild card also because it's a f- by a first-time filmmaker, actress-turned-director Mira Fox, and it's such an interesting film. I mean, I have really haven't seen anything quite like it. It's such an assured debut. Mio Wachowska plays um, in the lead, and it's based on the puppet show, the sort of yep. 17th-century puppet show. But it's it's like a fairy tale almost it's really hard to put your finger on but it's as if judy decided to turn the tables on punch and stop him from abusing her all the time and it's this Amazing feminist fairy tale and there's something about it if you want to reach for the tone it's like a little bit like Terry Gilliam or even things like Princess Bride or Legend this big screen ambition and I really hope people go see it because it's so much fun
0: and I mean how many people here know Punch and Judy I mean because I grew up sort of being aware of it yeah I always remember just the kind of you know, hitting bang, 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 Judy getting bang, bang, bang. hit all the time yeah. by Punch. Yeah. So this is a nice by the name obviously Judy and Punch gives you a fair she idea. She flips
3: the tables yeah. on
0: Mr. Punch. Okay, that sounds like an excellent recommendation. Yeah. And when's that showing? That I'm putting you on the Anna spot. Anna, you now. are Look seriously at the website. How about that? Look at the website. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and finally, we asked for one wild card something unexpected or unusual that okay, you're really so chuffed
3: about. Yeah, so this is definitely a wild card. And again, I've picked a film by an actress turned director, Billy Piper's Rare Beast, which is just premiered to great reviews venice film festival and um its screening in the festival don't ask me the date i'm not going to i'm just going to stop doing that yeah but it is it's fantastic it's again it's like judy and punch has a really hard to describe tone it's an anti-rom-com it's about a real cynic a real curmudgeonly female character who finds herself really attracted to an unlikely man who is misogynist he's quite self-absorbed I think the audience will find him quite difficult, but she finds herself strangely attracted to him, and um, it's bold-coloured, but actually a really sort of blackly comic film from her, and I think it marks her as a filmmaker to watch.
0: That's exciting. I love to see a new female director come along, and actresses, for obvious reasons, do have you know lots of insight into the process as (laughs) (laughs) you (laughs) know so uh, so, Tricia thank you very much now LFF anything else you want to say about it go to the website tickets they're on sale now correct they're
3: on sale today to the public and selling out already amazing I couldn't even get selling out already yeah
0: amazing so congratulations um, for amazing programming work very excited and well done for an increase in female directors and as you say let's hope the cogs are in place in the machine of the industry to help more and more
3: women come forward so that you've got more
0: next year I think yeah. that,
3: that is an important thing to say is that I think we what we're seeing and the reason that first features, second features, is there is public investment in getting filmmakers out there. Exactly. So the big gatekeepers with the big budgets need to get on board with that as well. Too.
0: So everyone, as we always say, go and see films made by and about women. Mm. Great. Thank you, Tricia. You're welcome. And stay with us, because we are going to do some reviews. Um, We always have a little section talking about current releases in Girls on Film. Often we have film critics, but I thought these two ladies here, you know, Step up and do some film reviews. And I tell you what, the first one is a bit of a juicy one. I was really excited to share it with you. It's called Hustlers. It's based on a true story about a group of strippers who swindled their Wall Street clients out of thousands of dollars, and I mean thousands. It's directed by a woman, Lorena Scafaria, and it stars Constance Wu from Crazy Rich Asians and Jennifer Lopez. Let's have a look at a trailer of Hustlers. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. These Wall Street guys, you see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged and it does not reward people who play by the rules. It's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? So that is Hustlers. It's about to come out here in the UK. Now, as you can see from that, it's funny, it's glamorous, but it's also kind of making some serious points. I had some reservations, which I'll go into later, but generally I thought it was so refreshing that it's as much about female friendship and it's more about empowerment than it is exploitation because it's so rare that you see strippers at the center of a story when that is the case. Ingrid, let's start with you. What did you think? To be honest,
2: I was, I was so overwhelmed by how handsome Jennifer Lopez is throughout the whole film, I could barely, I could barely focus on anything else. And there was a lot of that sort of slow-mo walking towards camera and I was like, oh my God. Uh, (laughs) They're so strong and fabulous. And I'd be interested to hear what you were saying, what your reservations were, but for the most part, I, it was, a, it was a fun and it was, it, it's, it's no coincidence I don't think that there's lots of music stars in that. You've got, you know, Jennifer Lopez, Lizzo, and Cardi B. Cardi Cardi B yeah, yeah. Because it felt at times, there was quite a lot of big music video elements mm-hmm. to it. Um, and it might be Wolf of Wall Street in that way, it was, it was coming to you know, the decline of an era where everything, you know, lots of money and fast cars, and then the crash happens in that way that they sort of play with music and cultural references at the time. and A lot of the edits felt quite similar to that film, uh, but telling it from a different point of view, which is where, where I, I also have a, a slight... I'm not sure still how I feel about it, which is Wolf of Wall Street is about men who are powerful. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously about strippers who, while they are powerful women, my God, these women that we see on the screen, you still, in the back of your mind, is a niggle, but they, are, they were strippers and they were being paid... To dance for these men, so how powerful actually were they? So that's a question that I think maybe goes unanswered a little bit. But I enjoyed it
3: hugely.
0: Mm, that's really interesting. Tricia, well, your response to, to that? And to very,
3: the very similar. I mean, I enjoyed it, I let myself go. Three things to say about it. J-Lo, J-Lo, J-Lo. Yeah. She's oh my freaking incredible. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think she's great all the time, but I think this is her best performance. She's definitely aged, don't you think? Beautiful, like her, there's gravitas. She's not aged. No, but like the, 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 there's a gravitas to her. Yeah, like I no, like absolutely. She was definitely the den mother of the film. Yes. Um, she's such a great screen presence. It's also a really good performance. It, it's deceptively simple. You don't realize what she's doing. I mean, there's a real physical transformation. She probably works out anyway but she worked really hard to do this. I think um, it's a very accomplished performance physically, but it's also just a really powerful, charismatic performance as well. I agree with you. I think there are some unanswered questions, and sometimes... I mean, I really I really loved it, so I don't want to nitpick at all, but there are times where I thought they over-egged the sort of, you know, female friendship thing. It just the Christmas scene, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there is a sort of montage it's um, a bit yeah. overegged. I know what you mean. But yeah. it was still, you know, I hope it does really, really well. I hope people go out to cinema and see it. And I really think Jennifer deserves recognition for this role.
0: Definitely. I feel like you're right, that she's matured to the point where this role is absolutely perfect for her. And she has that kind of gravitas and that power. And there's an amazing first scene. You see her doing this incredible pole dance and everyone loves her. And then she goes up to the roof, she's having a cigarette and Constant Wu's character is sort of nervously sort of going, oh, have you got a light? And and she's wearing this amazing fur coat, you know, nothing underneath Mama it pretty Bear. much. And then she goes, come and snuggle under here, darling. Yeah. And you know, she likes and say, I want to snuggle under her fur coat. You know, yeah. she just seems like this amazing magnanimous. But also what was lovely about that is that in these kind of films, you so often expect there to be some bitchiness and for them to be setting each other up. And maybe okay, she was grooming her a little bit for this scheme where they rip the guys off. But ultimately, she just took her under her wing or under her fur coat, and she just was really nice and generous to a younger woman who was, struggling to get along and I thought that was good but I agree that then the female friendship thing is over a bit
2: but then at the end actually it goes back to something more complicated and not yes that's interesting and I felt it was one of the most realistic actually portrayals of female friendship that I'd seen for a while and i watched Booksmart recently mm-hmm. and that's and, and again I suppose in a similar way that, that that has got complications as well but this felt more nuanced than just girls together it was there was always a tension I felt and also because you sort of get a vague sense that is standing in for her mother in some way so there's mm. you know in that way that we do as women have roles within our friendships there are some whom all the sisters and some who are the good time girls I don't know why I said that and then sort of <laughs> put my hand up but um the friendship element of it really appealed to me and that was to me the, yeah. one of the most convincing parts of the I film.
3: agree there's a really tender scene not to give anything away and I won't specific but there's a really great scene jennifer lopez's character is being interviewed and she's talking about her relationship with constance wu's character and it's one of the most touching scenes that's just about female friendship
0: yeah i, I really it. love that and, and obviously it also takes a long hard look at what women in that industry have to put up with and the way that they're treated and it does kind of set you up for being on their side for sort of having a bit of revenge because what they do is they go out fishing don't they and they basically take these guys in, they get the guys really drunk make them think they're interested and they take to the club and, and and drug them and then run up thousands of dollars worth of bills the, the drugging bit is where they started to lose me but i think you're meant to and i think what was important about this film is it didn't shy away from that dark side and the fact
2: that these women crossed the line. Do you feel that it didn't shy away? Because, because they, there was a lot of jokes. It was very funny. There were loads of jokes. I felt any time it got too close to being dark, there would be a joke. So, so almost bring you away from that. That was my only... And I really enjoyed it, but that was my only thing. Was I, I felt there could have been moments where it went deeper, actually, to the underside of it and the darkness of it, because it can't have all been funny, not, not not that there aren't moments mm. where, where it is, you know, sad, but, but even, even the sort of set, the lap dancing elements um, at the beginning were quite PG and not that, that this film is, is a sort of, you know, a, a grissy look at mm. what it's like to be a, a pole dancer in a club like that. But uh, again, it almost was too beautiful. They were so beautiful, those scenes. They, were so, they looked so beautiful dancing that you forget they dancing for these disgusting men, actually. Mm. Do you,
3: do you know, I thought that was really interesting, though, because I think that because a female director was making it, there mm. was a really sensitive attempt to not make it voyeuristic. Yeah. It was about their power, actually. Yeah. And actually, to go back to the joke you made earlier, too, about being asked to constantly play lesbian characters, I think what was really interesting is you rarely get to see, particularly in a film about strippers, it's like, if this was made by a male director, there'd be some sort of hint of romance between the women and what you have is just this incredibly it's for them, it's for women this is the type of relationship you don't usually see see on screen, female friendship that's outside of romance it's just a a relationship that is about the two of them and I think the go-to is always you have a strong female character so she must be a lesbian because we can't understand any other sort of strength so you're strong I think, that's why you keep getting offered. (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah, no, that's a really good point because I actually, when yeah. I first saw it, I, I saw it almost blind and I didn't even know it was a female director. But I was kind of by the end really hoping and thinking, I think it is, but I'm not sure. Yeah, um, but at uh, the same I kept thinking expecting it to go into that territory because they're very touchy-feely with each other but that's natural because they're, they're in this very yeah. intimate world where they take their clothes off all the time and they're really close and that's yeah. just normal and
2: actually and do you know having thought about it after thinking oh, oh I'd have liked a bit more you know gristiness and characterisation not characterisation because there was lots of characterisation but and I thought hang on why do I expect that from women's work you know the Wolf of Wall Street there wasn't a lot of that why do I think that's okay, and I don't think it's okay? Why do I need my women to be crying all the time, or like, you know? So actually, I was annoyed with myself because I thought, no, let this a female director make a really sexy, ballsy film, yeah. And maybe she just didn't want that wasn't what she was I going for. I don't
0: think it's you, but it's film, and no, no, it's what no, sure. you've become accustomed to seeing. Yeah. So it's interesting to tackle the old unconscious bias, isn't it? It very is. good thank you that's what we like to do here thanks um, I, it, it got me thinking about sort of stripper characters in movies um, I mean obviously you've got the likes of showgirls which is very different Barb wire um, the only one I could think sort of, of like actually of showgirls <laughs> too <then. laughs> yeah Um Precis. flash popped into my mind Ooh. of course because she was actually I mean I know it wasn't all about her stripping but that's, that's actually a rare one,
2: one. Yeah. that shot that very first shot in the trailer mm. of her on the pole that was very Flashdance. Yeah. she looked even what she was wearing yeah. I felt was quite maybe the cut and the palette sort of looked a bit Flashdance. Yeah.
3: In Flashdance, I think also, I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I'm thinking off the cuff here, but I think that scene too, that famous scene of her dancing, the extended dance sequence, is actually just about her power and her pleasure too. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel voyeuristic. Exactly. So maybe that's a
0: good reference yeah. with this the is film. the new Flashdance uh, with Wolf of Wall Street twist. Um, Hustlers <laughs> is in cinemas, 13th September 2019. I'd recommend people see it. Would you Definitely. join yeah, me in that, ladies? Yeah. Fantastic. 100%. Now, the next film I ask you to take a look at is called The Shock of the Future. It's a day in the life of a French musician, Anna, played by Alma Dolorowski. She's living in a flat in Paris in 1978, composing electronic music and trying to convince people it's the sound of the future. This is apparently a tribute to the female pioneers of dance music. It's written and directed by Mark Collin of the band Nouvelle Vague. Now, this is a small film and I think it's kind of really important that, you know, it all takes takes place over the course of one day, because I think I ask these ladies to watch it and perhaps wait for something to happen. It doesn't really happen. But what it does tackle, I think, is the fact that, you know, women are so often overlooked in the history of art. And that does apply
3: to electronic music as well. Uh, Tricia, what did you make of this? I initially didn't respond to it but i stuck with it and actually so it, the film you've described it really well it all it's not only over a day but it's also most of it is set in a single room and very little happens it's about a female early electron like 1978 set electronic musician there's a lot of her it's Alma Jodorowsky who's very beautiful who's a model wearing big glasses staring at lots of knobs and making electronic music and um, and it, you just think come on I want something to happen <laughs> and then it came alive for me I mean there were nice moments I have to say because there's like lots of everyday sexism that she encounters, you know, people people come to see her in a flat and three men come to see her and only one comes to see her to have a real conversation with her, the others, there's something really odd and strange and sort of sexual tension between them which she's uncomfortable with but sort of bats off good naturedly and then a woman comes to her flat to record a jingle with her and she plays one of her songs and the two of them have this amazing scene where they make music together and I just thought that was a really lovely scene so it really started to work for me there and came alive but you know it's a simple small film I don't think people should expect huge things from it
0: yeah I think it's an interesting idea but I agree that that was definitely the standout scene and it was brilliant to see that Ingrid what do you make of this one
3: yeah um (laughs) it's
2: interesting when I read the dedication at the end of the film and it said dedicated to all these women who are pioneers of electronic music and it listed all these women it was, it was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Because this woman, who's the central character of the film, is a cipher, she's not a character. She has no agency, as it were. She just sort of exists in this vague, dreamlike world that sort of straddles the 70s and 80s. And I have to say, the first scene involved her, in, in her underwear, uh, smoking a cigarette and dancing sort of sexually to electronic music and I was like I rolled my eyes so hard and then I saw it was a male director. then just as she was doing that the (laughs) the director's name flashed up and it was a man I was like oh my god Um, yes I rolled my eyes very hard Um, so I don't mean to be mean about it but uh, there is a Venn diagram where the people will enjoy this which is if you like electronic music and hot young French girls And then this is very much the film for you uh, I, so as someone who it is not aimed at I, I was actually quite, I was quite angry about it I'm, I hate it. say and like I say I, I don't like to be negative about that stuff because we're you know everyone's trying to make make something uh, meaningful. And so I have no doubt that the, the director had had the best... I think he wrote it as well. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, so he was in this band, Nivelle Varg and he's clearly obsessed with electronic music himself. So what it felt like was a, a man who'd written a story about himself but put a hot 20-something-year-old girl in it because, because I didn't believe... I didn't believe that a hot 20-something-year-old girl is turned on by knobs in the way that she... Was <laughs> I mean? There's a lot of her caressing
3: knobs. Right. The film is very fetishistic about it is, technology it is. as well. Yeah. Yes. Too. But, yeah, you're right.
2: I yeah. mean, there's like a lot like porn minutes porn for and minutes of screen of. Sc- it's a it's a very short film, but but many many minutes are taken <laughs> up with with her like, rubbing f- knobs rubbing knobs. <laughs> <laughs> but also of her, we we see there's about I'm not exaggerating about eight different scenes with her listening to different music, and it's just her nodding listening to music, I'm smoking a cigarette.
3: Looking amazing. Yeah, I know, yeah. I, I was on a
0: jury with her, the female Film Force jury, and um, she's, she is, is beautiful in real life. Yeah. She's stunning, and also a great actress, I think. Yeah. She's really good That's in this. got great charisma, um, yeah. 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 But, but you're right, I mean, I, I'm gonna agree with you both and say that everything you say is true, but because uh, I used to edit a dance music magazine back in the day, so I kind of have more of an engagement with the subject, But I think for a man to be doing this is, is a little bit problematic.
2: There was no stakes either. She was, mm. it was just a sort of, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, there was, you know, a, a, um, <laughs> it's, it, it takes place over one night, but there are no stakes really. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I did not. So, yeah. should you wish to see it, Shock of the Future? I'm so, is so, I'm in so, so sorry, by the way. Of September. Yeah, no it just wasn't for me. It wasn't. me. Nope. it wasn't aimed at me.
0: I, I, you know, disagreement is very healthy on this show. Okay. Thank you for your opinions, ladies. <laughs> now, my final That's... guest is an actress. You might know her from War and Peace on the telly. She recently starred alongside Benedict Cumberbatch in the current War, and she's about to hit cinemas in the movie of Downton Abbey. Please welcome Tuppence Middleton. <laughs> Woo. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to Girls on Film. Great to have you here. How did you get into the business? When did you decide to to get in this old game of acting?
1: Um, Well, I I think like most actors started doing it at school and my spare time after school as a hobby. And I was very faddy when I was younger. I did lots of things and got bored of them really quickly. And, you know, karate and ballet and wasn't very good at any of them. But um, I started doing acting and it was the one thing that I didn't get bored of and kept doing it and it helped me kind of grow in confidence and yeah by the time I got to 18 I suppose I just thought I don't really know what else to do so I auditioned for drama school and got in and that was it. <laughs> Rest is history.
0: Bravo. Yeah. Now I remember I first became very aware of your work in this film called Trap for Cinderella, which yeah. I, I reviewed it for Empire back in twenty thirteen. I called it rather potentially a psychosexual British thriller. I don't I know. Think if that's you... bang on. Do you think? Thanks yeah. very much. <laughs> um, well, it was an interesting film that I was just reading the summary to remind me of it today, and my head was hurting. It's a really complex film, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'd struggle to. Um To recount the plot now, actually. It's Um, quite baffling. Yeah, it's it's based on a French book and it's kind of about identity. And it's these two women who are very close, and one of them becomes quite obsessed with the other. And there's an accident that happens where the other one has to have a certain amount of surgery, and you're not quite sure which one survived the accident and whether uh, my character is indeed herself or whether the other character, who sort of became a slightly single white female, has, has sort of taken over her identity
0: how many of those kind of roles i mean i'm talking really interesting female characters do mm. you tend to see in scripts and do you think that has increased in the last few years i think it's definitely increased
1: because more female filmmakers are, are coming to the fore and are, are coming for i think there was always people with women with interesting ideas and maybe didn't feel they had the voice for it and now have the opportunity and the backing for that but i think uh, i think also people are, are really scared not to write good female characters, which is a good thing because it means that uh, you read lots of uh, strong women. And I, I think there's still there's a lot of work to be done. I think also it's really important to encourage female writers and directors so that the, the parts naturally become more interesting for women. But yeah, I, I think that also um, actresses are becoming more aware of it. So their, their choices, you know, you can't just get an actress to play the, the girlfriend or the wife now and be satisfied with that. So you you have to write things to it in order to attract the talent that you want.
0: Are you at the stage where you can say, look, that woman isn't complex enough, go back and rewrite her?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't <laughs> know if I'm quite at that stage. Um, it's interesting because you still tend to get kind of typecast from things you've done before. I think that uh, you do a certain type of part and then people assume you will do the same thing again. And I think that there's... Uh, early on in my career well a, a few years into, I think that I made a very conscious choice maybe it wasn't conscious maybe it was subconscious to not chase those kind of roles early on the kind of girlfriendy, um supporting roles and I remember leaving drama school and cutting my hair very short and making myself very like I just felt like not castable as the girl, the, the everyday girlfriend and so then there, there was a weird mix of roles that I got early on and then I think there was one role which was similar to the Trappes and Umbrella role which was the kind of psych psychosexual thing yeah. and and then suddenly that that's or you get offered. You get offered the femme fatale. Or you get offered the the kind of sexy girl, or the you know, or well, the lesbian policeman. Yeah, yeah, lesbian <laughs> policeman. the smoking in your underwear, and there's yeah. so much of that that you read as an actor. You think smoking in
0: your underwear. Yeah, just yes, walking
2: yeah. through the room
1: in your underwear for no reason. You're like, why? not in the middle of the day. That's <laughs> what girls do when that's what they're on they do. Their Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they drink wine and they smoke cigarettes yeah. at midday. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of that which you kind of have to filter through. But um, you have to be really aware of that, that you, you don't want to do something that you've done before. And, and I think that, um, you know, with, especially with things like playing roles that are, have a sexual element to them or, or, or even a love interest, and you you have to do nudity or something, then the next project you do might think, well, she did nudity for that, so she'll do it again, like, regardless of whether it's relevant to the story. And there's a lot of that. Well, why why does she want a nudity clause? Or why doesn't she want to show this? Because we know that she's done it before. And um, that's quite a difficult thing to navigate because I think once you talk about it, too, in interviews or, or, you know, publicly, that you're okay with that, given that the context is... Uh, relevant and makes sense, then suddenly it becomes something that comes up all the time and it's, or, or you're, you're misquoted and actually it's not like, oh I love being naked and I love doing nudity. it's like, well I, I think the bodies are beautiful, it's important to show them, it's important to represent lots of different body types and sex is a part of everyday life, which is um, why we're all here And and more common than people, I mean, it's certainly in the UK, more common than people walking around with guns, but the amount of things we make where people are shooting each other in the face is is kind of, um, and and no one says anything about it, is crazy, but then the moment you do a sex scene, it's commented on. Um, So I think it's important that we don't shy away from it and that we're not ashamed of our bodies, but at the same time, you have to feel totally comfortable in whatever context it is, and and you have to trust your
2: filmmaker and, and trust that the story requires it. Just to add to that, it's interesting, and I think with more female filmmakers, I think the tropes of that, of a girl with oh, pants mm-hmm. in the afternoon, who doesn't wear clothes. Mm. Or if I see another vulnerable woman in a shower, like I'm <laughs> vulnerable. Therefore, I'm, I'm naked. I'm naked. Therefore, yeah. I'm vulnerable. I'm in the shower crying. Mm. And I think with more women coming through, we just go, ugh, no, just you can still show bodies in a different way. Yeah. That's not those things.
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting to hear too. Um, just as a, a sort of tangent, that sixty percent of the of the short films are, are made by women, because I think that's so telling that women feel confident to make something short and just like yeah, just a little <laughs> teaser yeah. of something, but they they aren't quite backed to go the, the the whole distance. And I think that's such a common thing. I have so many, you know. I think, like you said, actors are are kind of. Um, are people who read a lot of scripts and have an instinct for that anyway. And, and lots of uh, actress friends of mine are, are interested in writing, directing. And I think that there's not that same confidence thinking, yeah, if I write something that people are going to love it and I can make it and I can, and I can fund that. It's a very tentative journey and
3: that really doesn't surprise me too. No. It's, I think a lot of women too have this inbuilt you know internalize this idea like I'm a great number two so I'll be mm. I mean not to say producers are number twos because a lot of producers get the whole thing made and they're like the sort of secret creative force behind it but a lot of women revert to that as their you know the pinnacle of their ambitions rather than going I want to be the director and I think that's still happening but mm. I think there's a, an institutional thing as well
0: too. yeah well, one thing as a journalist that I've been trying to do for years is, you know, when um, there's an ensemble of film and they list the names of the actors, and I realised that I myself had been doing this and that all journalists do it, they were unconsciously putting the men first, mm. you know, when you list, list the cast, or generally, unless it was a very, very female-focused thing. So, um, about five, six years ago, I started when I was filing for Empire and Time out Places putting the women's names first, just to see if they changed it or if anyone noticed, and I don't know if they even noticed, but they certainly didn't change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of announced that I was seeing it on Twitter and people were like, oh yeah. And it's just, these, these are sort of small things, but it did remind me of something with your name on it recently, or rather without your name on it recently. <laughs> yeah. Has everyone seen this? Okay, so this is um, the film that Tuppence was in <laughs> and the poster was on the tube and oh all the men's names are up the top. And someone, was it you Tuppence or was it? No, <laughs> I, I wish it was. Has written Tuppence's name and also the name of Catherine Waterston mm. on the picture. You can see this, um, Legend. it went viral. I'm not asking you to comment because I know you're in the film. <laughs> but um, what an interesting moment! Um, how did you mm. feel when you when you saw that? or that
1: I thought it was great. I was, uh, <laughs> I was cheering from my living room. I think it's an interesting thing because um, I suppose there's two things going on: is that that the film is predominantly about those three men. So um, actually, I suppose that they probably wanted to just put the men on the poster. But also, they want people to see it, and they realize that today 's audiences don't necessarily always want to see a film, however interesting it is about um, three white men and um, we 're definitely in the film, but we 're we're, we're very much supporting characters, interesting ones, but you know like not, not at the forefront of the story. so I think that that was maybe some in someone 's mind that was some kind of compromise. It was like, well, we can put them on because they 're in it, but we don't. <laughs> Just put their names on because they don't, you don't want to draw too much attention to it because then it would seem like they were in it loads.
0: So, yeah, it's a, it was an interesting thing. Um, but I really love whoever did that. I love it. I, I feel that I either know them or they listen to girls on film. So, please yeah, make sure. yourself yes. known. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. you, thank, you. you. <laughs> thank you, whoever you are. It's absolutely brilliant. Let's talk about what you're in next. Downton Abbey is in cinemas tomorrow. Yes. Um, let's have a quick look at the trailer first.
1: A feeling that you can understand what's going on in my head. The last few days have made me think what are we doing? Should we really go on with it?
0: Downton Abbey's the heart of this community,
3: and you're keeping it beating. Here they come now,
0: <laughs> Mr. Mosley
1: your majesties
2: welcome to Downton Abbey
0: so there you have it Downton Abbey and quite a big role in a major movie there how did it feel entering that family
1: yeah it's funny I mean I think you always just try and see it as a job and obviously I was aware of the reputation the series had um so it's always nice to go into something which is um successful and has a a fan base already and that you know will be quality that's always a kind of you feel like you're in saved hands. But yeah, it was exciting. I think the, it was such a big cast and they've all known each other for the last 10 years. So I, I was slightly daunted that they would you know, be very cliquey or that they would have this kind of family that we weren't a part of, but they were all really nice, really welcoming. And it felt like we were an extension of that family.
0: And your character, as I said, is, is either Lady Bagshaw's maid or a scheming minx, but you'll have to watch them yes, to find, a find out which. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was actually that was a very romantic trailer. I hadn't seen that trailer before, but um, I guess Downton is a sort of romantic version of that world. And your
0: character may possibly have a little something to do with that in the movie, but we can't see too much. A little something,
2: yeah, a little potential love interest I'm going Maybe. to see it on Sunday with my mother
1: um,
2: and oh. there's a cream tea organised by the <laughs> cinema beforehand <laughs> Amazing. so it's like a proper they've really gone to town you'll be the drunk on yeah, yeah, yeah. jam and cream yeah 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 Yeah, All, yeah definitely <laughs> it's, it's gonna it's like a, that seems it feels like I, I don't know the series that well but that feels like an event
0: Yes, it's event cinema. It's go go with the family, go with people that you. As you were saying, you can go. You went to the premiere with your family, is that right? Yes, Definitely. my parents yes, came. Yes. Yeah,
1: they so, were. And my dad hadn't watched one episode of the series, but <laughs> loved it. Yeah, no. and globally, it's, it's
2: huge. It's huge. I didn't realise
3: it's, it's enormous. Like yeah. China, mm, huge. Yeah, yeah, and
2: America, they yeah. they
1: absolutely love it. And yeah. that's a real. That was interesting going to the premiere and seeing people waiting for autographs and saying, "I've come from Australia," or "I've come from America." Oh.
2: Wow, the dedication. My worry about that is that, that people will watch that and go, do you know what? We used to be fine. We'll do a no-deal Brexit. It feels, <laughs> like, it feels like the kind that's of nostalgia. Of it. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we were great. And we'll be great again. This isn't again. historically it's accurate. Dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. This is
0: propaganda. We frankly. nearly got through the show without you mentioning I Brexit know, I then. I yeah.
2: sorry.
0: <laughs> you just brought it. That was perfectly brought, brought it in at the end. So, Tuppence, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I tell you what, no, that perfect. So, this gives me a segue into the audience Q&A now. So, please stay on stage late ladies and we have some roving mics. Um, please ask your questions or comments about anything we've spoken about, audience. Here we go. One here. Thank you very much. If you wait for the mic.
1: Hi, ladies. I'm really enjoying the, um, the podcast tonight. It's great. Um, I have a question to go back to this idea about female investment and how to sort of um, increase the numbers of you know, women getting funded. And I've heard that there are really great results if uh, pitching and things like that is done blind. Do you see a future for something like that that could be in the future? Or how do you, you know, alternatively increase sort of women getting funded?
0: Pitching blind, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, that's interesting. So so people don't mm. know what gender,
3: yeah. Any
0: thoughts, Tricia, perhaps?
3: That's a really interesting question. I haven't thought about that. Um, I think there are a lot of assumptions made about capabilities that pitching blind would would solve. I mean, I always loved the um, someone pointing out that Safety Not Guaranteed by, um, I can't remember his name. Colin it Trevorrow. Colin yeah. Trevorrow. Shown He made Yes, he made that and then got hired to do a Star Wars film right after. And it's like, you've made a low-budget short film and then you're given this massive budget. Which female directors mm-hmm. have had yeah. that kind of leap? And, you know, that sort of blind... Opportunity to pitch and cast. Like, imagine if you'd showed, you know, a, a first feature that had been in Sundance Film Festival by a female filmmaker and said, This is the hot new thing, we want them to do Star Wars. They might have had more of an opportunity, maybe, because there yeah. are assumptions made.
0: Well, there's so much going on with that, isn't there? And it's, it's not just because they made a great film, which he did make a great yeah. film, but it's that kind of bro club, isn't it? That, yeah. kind of, that kind of idea, even if it's an unconscious bias, again, people don't necessarily realise it, but they're going, oh, he's a hot new thing. And in their mind, a
2: director looks a certain way, and it's generally male. Hmm. I remember a, a friend of mine who, who, who's a friend, so I won't mention his name, but I remember he directed a short in the UK, and he got his agent to set, meeting, set up meetings in America and landed a feature film, having made a short with Spielberg's company. Wow. And he had such self-confidence. And he was I remember he was... Who's younger than me at the time, and I just remember thinking, how do you have how do you have that self confidence mm-hmm. where well, you go, yeah, I've done a short film, I could do a feature film,
3: yeah, for Steven, <laughs> for
2: Steven Spielberg, no problem. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh my god, I, how, where does that come from? Because no, I amazing. sure as hell don't have it. No, it's fantastic. You know.
0: Any other questions? That was a good question. Thank you.
3: So one interesting topic that came up is that how movies can be interpreted on a political lenses, and on this emerging landscape, and with everything changing politically being in the UK or being abroad, what do you think it's the role of movie on of social change in the next few years?
0: Well, that's another big one, isn't it? Good, good, good what questions. is the role of movies? Oh
2: yeah, Do you know wow. what, what's interesting? I don't even know. I think movies by and large are an artistic endeavor. So you can't prescribe what people can make. They will make what they want to make. It's what people choose to then distribute or what audiences respond to. And I found as an audience member myself, I fa- it's really interesting to me. You know even the the poster that we just showed toughness poster i remember walking i saw that in the tube and i walked past it and i and i saw that i was like why are the girls names not on there women's names not on there and i probably wouldn't have noticed that even three years ago maybe Mm -hmm. and so i i've noticed in myself a difference i cannot watch with all due respect to white men i cannot watch a film that's entirely white men anymore like it's sort of i find it boring and it makes me annoyed it's almost a subliminal thing now that i seek out stories that are different And I think that is something that's happened after me, too. I think that's bleeding into it. I think, you know, we know that things can go backwards in terms of social progression, as things do. So who knows whether this will last? I don't know. But I think films reflect the world you're living in, so I think people are responding to the fact that women are a bit like, come on now, let's... And people of colour are like, yeah, come on, let's let's have have a bit more of us on there, please. Thank you.
0: Beautiful answer. Uh, Lady in the second row? uh, Yes,
2: thank you.
3: Hi. Um, do you think the next James Bond should be a woman?
2: Oh. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what do, well, I mean, I, I, I think we need to see more. We're at the centre of those kind of stories, but whether making James Bond a woman is the answer, you know, better, better that we have a female spy franchise. Just it's really amazing. Just different films,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: did you agree to as an I've actor? I've never been a
1: massive James Bond fan. <laughs> but uh, there, 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 goes there goes my Matt. chance of ever being a Bond go, fan. Bond um, or being or right Bond. There. Yeah, or being Bond. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah I, just, I don't really get it. But um, I know lots of people do and love it. Yeah, so I think just make... We, why do we have to make existing male characters into women? I mean, we could just write more interesting yeah. female characters.
3: I'm going to sidestep the question, but just tell a story. Like, I grew up I did watch Bond all the time because mm-hmm. my dad was a mad movie fan and we watched you know all, all the Roger Moore films were our favourites but I tried to make my kids watch them recently and my daughter's 12 and we mm-hmm. watched a couple we watched Moonraker we watched um, Live and Let Die and she was like I hate this film. I can't stand the women. There are no women in this film. And she really, like, talking about the lens has shifted. It's really nice to see. I never would have said that when I was 12 years old. I, I, I just I wouldn't
2: s- have. I watched James Bond recently, and i it was Dr. No. And I used to love them, again, because my dad watched them. And I watched Dr. No. I was like, sorry, is he. Has he, got, has he taped his eyes to look like a Japanese man? So like, what the hell? I don't you know. Maybe it wasn't even Dr. No. So like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Yeah. And yeah. there was a white actress who was pretending to be Chinese, and wasn't pretending to be. She was just cast as a Chinese woman. It's like, but she was a white actress with blue eyes. Yeah. And and you watch it, and I think he hit her at one point, yeah. and you just go, my God, what the hell was I yeah. watching all these years? But the fact that it's only now occurred to me that it wasn't good.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I felt ashamed for showing my daughter. She <laughs> Me. But that's great, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah. it's sort yeah. of shifted.
2: Yeah. I mean I still love James
3: Bond, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but yeah. I showed them Officer and a Gentleman too. That didn't go down very well with oh. her. <laughs> yeah, my son said uh, at the do you remember the film? At the yes. end of the film he carries her off and yeah. he's a airline he's he's gonna become a pilot and my son said, um does he get free flights everywhere now? And my daughter went, <laughs> why did she stay with him? Why didn't she carry him out? So it's like a good, like he's watching it in a totally different I way. I love those two responses. Does yeah. he get free flights? It's yeah. very pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to know, does he get free flights?
0: But yeah, um, but no, that's good. That gives us hope for the future. Yeah. There you go. Thank you for that story, Trish. because unfortunately we're gonna have to end there because we've run out of time from, thank you for the audience questions. Uh, and thank you to my amazing panel, Tricia Tuttle, Ingrid Oliver. Tuppers Middleton. thank you very much. Round of applause for them. Woo! I'd also like to thank our producers Heather Archbold for producing, Jane Long for audio producing, the London Podcast Festival for having us, being absolutely fabulous. Round of applause for them. Woo! I'd also like to thank Claire Beagley and Charlie Stone for support today, and MX Tyrants for our music in the past 21 episodes. The incidental music you hear is by Charlie Stone and crew, so thank you very much to MX Tyrants, all female bands and uh, I'd like to encourage you all to download the Girls on Film podcast if you haven't already it would be lovely to have your support because we need more listeners, we need people to spread the word and it's always such a joy to hear from you on Twitter at Anna Smith Journal, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes and everything and you can also find us at the bar later so um, <laughs> hopefully see you there, meantime thank you all for being Girls on Film Thank, thank you. you. thank you Girls on Film is an HLA production produced by Hedda Archibald and Jane Long. I spent $5,000 at a strip club, Send help.